You're listening to the Hui Kala Baptist Church Podcast coming to you from the heart of Honolulu. Hui Kala is a committed family of faith that loves Jesus and loves one another. Grab your Bible and prepare for preaching from the Word of God from Pastor Anthony King. If you have your Bibles ready, go ahead and turn to the book of Galatians, if you would. Uh, Galatians chapter 1. Uh, we're continuing our series entitled, Only Jesus. Uh, we've been taking a look at the last uh, three times we've looked in uh, Galatians at three different types of false gospels that we see that are prevalent in our society today. Uh, we're moving on from that thought tonight. At the end of the day, really, uh, most false gospels come down to Jesus plus my works or just works altogether. Every world religion uh, outside of Christianity says you must do these things to find eternal life and hopefully you'll make it there one day. Uh, only the Bible, only Christianity says Jesus Christ has done the work and this is how you can know for sure uh, that your sins are forgiven. And so the, the Christian uh, faith is not a faith of what we can do. The Christian faith is a faith of what has already been done and trusting in the finished work of Christ on the cross. As we look at Galatians again, Paul uh, has written this letter to churches at Galatia, uh, at least four that we know of for sure that Paul had ministered in before that were in this area of Galatia. And he writes to them uh, concerning the false doctrine of uh, what's sometimes referred to as the Judaizers, uh, basically the people that were... Uh, attacking the gospel message, saying it's good that you believe in Jesus, but you must also uh, be circumcised if you're males. You must also keep the Old Testament ceremonial law as well. And we're gonna add to the finished work of Christ on the cross. And Paul writes and says, stop, not gonna happen. Uh, I'm gonna protect the gospel message at all costs. Again, Paul's enthusiasm, enthusiasm and Paul's passion in defending the gospel should be a kind of a benchmark for us as the things that are really important. Uh, there's a few hills in the world that I would say are worth dying on and the truth and the purity of the gospel is a hill worth dying on. Uh, we can't, it, it's, it's life or death, it's heaven or hell. Uh, it, is, it is eternity with God or eternity separated from God. So it's one of those non-negotiable doctrines uh, that we must uh, defend at all costs. And uh, Paul would certainly agree with that as well. Uh, so as we read through the book of Galatians, if you've never read through the whole book, I'd encourage you to read through that as we, uh, we're gonna go through it verse by verse. Uh, tonight, we're just gonna take a look at one verse, uh, verse number 10 is where we're gonna be at. Uh, verse 10 is kind of a transition from Paul challenging them and really uh, um, rebuking them for believing a false gospel, which he says is no gospel at all. Uh, to, this is, versus a transition statement when he gets in then to how he got the gospel, how he received the gospel, and what the gospel has done in his life. And so we'll take a look at that tonight. We'll start in verse number one uh, and read through verse number 10. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me under the churches of Galatia, Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so I say now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Verse 10 is where we'll be at tonight. For now do I persuade men or God? Do I want acceptance from God or do I want acceptance from you? Do I seek to please men? For yet if I please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. 
I've entitled tonight's message, Not a Popularity Contest. The goal of a Christian should not, to be, uh, should not be that we would be well-liked by the world. Uh, our message is, runs contrary to the world's message. It has since the very beginning of Christianity. Uh, Christ, one of the reasons why he caught so much trouble uh, as he walked the earth was because his message was in direct opposition to the prevailing wisdom of the day. Christians throughout history have been put to death for their faith. Why? Because it runs contrary to the prevailing wisdom of the day. We, we look at our society that we're in today and we say, oh, it's really tough to be a Christian. It's really hard to be a Christian, man. The whole world's against us. Just know it has always been this way. It's not unique to us or unique to our generation that people are anti-Christ. It's not unique to our generation that people are against Christ. Even the things that we see in our society today where everything seems to be hyper-politicized, this is not new if you study throughout history. The world has always been politicized. You take a look at, there's so much false religion out there, so much perversion of the gospel. It was in Paul's day, that's why he wrote the book of Galatians because there had been so much perversion of the gospel. So our society that we live in today, it's no more difficult to be a Christian in our society than it has been for any other uh, society throughout human history. If anything, I believe we as Americans have it a little bit easier than the rest of the world might in the fact that uh, we still have freedom of speech, we still have that freedom of religion. Uh, while we might feel that our rights are being infringed upon or there's some uh, limitation as far as what the government might try to put restrictions on what we can or cannot say, we still... Uh, carry uh, a very uh, heavy religious liberty uh, in our day that we have. We have much access to the word of God. We can say pretty much what we want to say uh, without any type of repercussions from the government. We're blessed for sure. But make no mistake, no one who claims biblical Christianity is ever going to win a popularity contest. It's not gonna happen. If you see a pastor on television that has uh, hundreds of thousands of followers, chances are he's probably not preaching the true gospel of Christ. And again, I don't wanna say that as a blanket statement. I'm just saying it's not very popular, the message. You see, the gospel message itself is offensive. Simple as that. The gospel says this, God has a law and you've broken it. Not just parts of his law, you've broken all of it. And regardless of how good you try to be, you're not good enough in God's eyes. That's an offensive message. Well, I'm an okay person. Well, I haven't broken all of God's law. I haven't done everything wrong. The book of James says this, if any man offend in one point of the law, he's guilty of all of it. So whether you've broken all of God's commandments or not, if you've broken one, you're just as guilty as the person who's broken them all. And the gospel message is offensive in the fact that it says, if you don't fall in line with what God says, this is offensive and I'm gonna say it anyways, if you don't believe what the Bible says, you are wrong. Whew, that's hard. Because again, we live in a pluralistic society today that, that says that's intolerance. You can say, this is right for me and that's right for you and that's okay. I'm gonna say not what you, if you don't believe what I believe you're wrong, if you don't, your opinion doesn't match my opinion you're wrong, I have to say if you don't believe what the Bible says you're wrong. And here's the thing, if I don't believe what the Bible says, I'm wrong. This is an offensive message. There's no easy way to say that. It just needs to be said. And oftentimes when I'm sharing the gospel with people, I say, the first part of this is gonna be really hard to hear, but I want you to stick with it, okay? God has a, a law, you've broken it. God has rules, you've disobeyed them. 
God has parameters and boundaries and you've blown past them at every opportunity that you've ever gotten. God has his way that he wants things done, but you continually choose to choose your own way. And you've broken God's law and God has held you guilty of breaking his law. It's hard to say, but it needs to be said. That's not even the worst part that you've just broken God's law. There are consequences for breaking God's law. There's a penalty that you must pay because you've broken God's law, and that penalty is death. Romans chapter six, verse number 23, for the wages of sin is death. And it doesn't just mean you're gonna die one day, it means you're gonna die a spiritual death as well. When you die, you'll die on this earth a physical death, but then you will stand before God. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. And you'll stand before a holy God, and you'll have to give an account for your life. And if you just say, I tried to do my best, I was a good dude, I tried to help everybody that I could, I tried not to mess up too much, God will say, you're guilty and your penalty is eternal death. Separation from God forever in a place called hell that burns with real fire. Revelation chapter 20 uh, talks about the great white throne judgment. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. That's your penalty for your sin. So here's the first half of the gospel message. You've broken God's law, there is a penalty, and the penalty is death in hell for eternity. Folks, I don't know how you can make that message unoffensive. I don't know how you can make that message so that it doesn't go against everything inside of you. Now, I don't know about you, but there came a point in my life where I received that message as, yes, I wholeheartedly agree with everything that you just said. Brennan and Sharon, his testimony, found a point in his life where he said, Everything that I just heard from you, I wholeheartedly agree with, but it's offensive on the offset. But then we turn the corner with the gospel message and we say this, God loves you too much to allow you to go to hell without any other options. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus came and he died in your place. Romans chapter five, verse number eight, but God commendeth or demonstrates his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I was supposed to die, you were supposed to die, but Jesus came and died in our place so that we don't have to die. Jesus took upon himself the wrath of God because of my sin, because of his love for us. And that's the best news you'll ever hear. You were supposed to die, but you don't have to because Jesus died in your place. But you must make a decision. You must leave your sin behind you must put your faith in Jesus Christ alone to be saved. Jesus says it's a big deal. John chapter three, verse number three, no man shall enter the kingdom of God unless he is born again. You must be saved to go to heaven. Jesus is the only way. Again, this is another offensive part of the gospel. There's no other way to heaven except for Jesus. Well, I happen to believe that there's multiple paths to heaven. Jesus would disagree with you. John chapter 14, verse number six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You know, if you and I decide that we're gonna go to uh, IAEA, we might have a couple different paths we could take. Some of you might take Moanalua Freeway. Some people might try to go through uh, Nimitz Highway. Some of you might try uh, the H1 and stay on the H1 past the, the stadium. There's multiple ways to get there. Heaven is not IAEA. Amen. <laughs> the path to heaven is not sitting in traffic. Amen. Look, there's, no, there's not more than one way to get there. There's one way, and his name is Jesus. That's offensive. Well, I happen to believe, well, the Bible says you're wrong. 
well, I think there could be multiple ways and basically every belief system in the world believes the same thing. Jesus disagrees with you. This is offensive. This is hard to say. This is why we can't just live a good life and hope people see Jesus through us and maybe one day they might put their faith in Jesus because there must at some point be a confrontation with truth. And again, the confrontation has to be done in a very, very loving way. But if we negate our obligation to share the gospel because of fear of offending someone, we'll never share the truth. So I need to find out how to share the truth in the least offensive way possible. We must take great care to not add offense to an already offensive message. I'm taking a lot of time up front here to discuss this because I've heard people before use this passage of scripture here, verse number 10, as an excuse to be unkind when sharing the gospel. Maybe you've said this before. You probably haven't. I have. Uh, so I'll just share with you my shortcomings. You probably never said this before. But you say something in an unkind, maybe even ugly or cutting way, and then you follow it up with, well, the truth hurts sometimes, doesn't it? Or I'm just a straight shooter. I call it like it is, and I just say what it is. I I just call a spade a spade. And I've used that as a cover for being really ugly and unkind with my words. And I almost wear it like a badge of honor. Like, you want to know what's up? Ask me, I'll tell you. I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. I'm going to tell you like it is. And I've heard people use this verse here where Paul says, "I, I don't really care if I'm popular with you. I'm really looking for acceptance from God. And I've heard people use that verse to say, I don't care what you think about what I say. I don't care what you think about how I say it. All I care about is being faithful to the Lord. And so they'll call people really ugly names. And they'll be really ugly with their gospel presentation. And they'll put themselves up on a really high pedestal and put the person that they're sharing with on a very, very low rung of the ladder and point down to them and talk down to them and be ugly Well, I don't care. I'm not looking for acceptance from you. I'm looking for acceptance from the Lord. That's not what Paul's saying here. He doesn't mean to add offense to the gospel message. That's not what he's talking about. I want to be very, very careful that when I share truth, I don't share it in an offensive way. If I'm sharing uh, the gospel with someone who is caught up in a false religion, I don't say, well, your church believes this because you guys are a cult. And if you were able to get the real gospel and get a real Bible, then maybe you'd be able to understand what real salvation looks like. Is what I said true? 100%. Is the way that I said it Christ-like? Not even close. And what we can do, I've had many times to have to go back and undo someone else's Uh, work that they've done that they thought they were sowing seed with the gospel and they were just trampling seed that was really looking for water. I shared the truth with people before. They said, well, I had somebody else explain that to me and they told me I couldn't go to heaven. Who told you that? Well, I went to this one church and they wouldn't allow me to join it because I was divorced. They told me I was going to hell because I was divorced. What? Who, Who on earth says stuff like that? And then we have to go back and we have to unwind what someone else did to be able to actually get the truth of the gospel. We have to tear down a bunch of junk. And friend, if you don't share the gospel in a loving, caring, compassionate way, the way that Jesus did, you're adding offense to an already offensive message in an unhelpful way. 
And so as we share the truth of the gospel, we must take great care that we share it with love. Well, I see that you believe this, or I know that your church believes this, but let's take a look at what the Bible says about that. Uh, would you disagree with how the Bible words it here? Would you disagree with this, the fact that it's pretty plain that Jesus is the only way to heaven? Would you, would you disagree with that when Jesus says that? I'm not trying to say my church is right or your church is wrong. And I always tell people this, the truth that I'm sharing with you of the gospel is not how to join my church. It's not how to become a Baptist. It's about how to know your sins are forgiven. And you say, well, that's, why would you make a distinction there? Because many other religions find salvation through the church. And you have to become a Catholic and be baptized Catholic. You have to be a Mormon and become baptized Mormon to go to heaven. And it's all about the church that provides salvation. And a clear marker of a false religion is a church that provides salvation every time. So I always tell people, this is not how to be a Baptist. This is not how to join our church. This is how to know for sure that your sins are forgiven. And I'm not asking you uh, to, uh, to, to join our church. I'm asking you to agree with God about your sinful condition and the only hope that you have through Jesus Christ. And that comes from taking a very loving, caring approach to the gospel. Uh, one of the things I love about uh, sitting and listening to, uh, to my friend Manuel share the gospel is, is he uses so much scripture. And you go back through and he opens up his Bible and he, sh he shows people, hey, read that verse that you see right there. Do you know what that means? Do you understand that? Let me explain that to you. And he allows the word to do the work. It's not an argument. It's not a matter of, well, your church believes this, but we don't believe that. Your church believes that, but that's a lie. It's a matter of, hey, read that. What does that mean to you? How does that apply to our situation with our sin? And it, is it a loving, caring way that allows people to grasp onto truth? That's how we must share the truth Again, if at any point you feel like you've got enough Bible knowledge that you can puff your chest out and walk around like a gospel gunslinger, please understand you've missed the point of being a servant of Christ. You missed it. I wanna live a life that people can see Christ through me so that when I share truth with them, they go, oh, okay, I get it. That's why you live that way because you're a Christian. Oh, that's why I've never seen you do that because you're a Christian. I had a, uh, we were at the gym uh, about a year or so ago and I was uh, cleaning up after the workout. I went over to help somebody put their weights away and I got to mop and started mopping an area that wasn't mine. Uh, and somebody says, uh, oh, thanks for doing that. I said, hey, no problem. Uh, and so uh, we got to talking for a little bit there and I gave the guy an invitation to church and he goes, oh, I knew it. I go, knew what? He goes, I knew you were a Christian. I go, why? He goes, just, just the way you're acting, just the things you're doing, all the, the nice stuff you did. And I go, Okay, I mean, I, I took that as a compliment. Thank you, I guess, you know? But he, he said, I knew it. I knew you were a Christian. I want my life to be on display so that people look and they go, ah, yeah, I could see that. I don't want it to be like, that guy's, a, no, he's not a Christian. Like, there's no way. I, I heard it once said that there should be enough evidence that if you went to trial to convict you of being a Christian. And that, that stuck with me for a while. If somebody had to watch my life, take pictures of where I went, take a, uh, pictures of my interactions, record conversations that I had with people at lunch, would there be enough evidence there to convict me of being a Christian? I would hope so, because I want my life to point to Christ. But let's be very clear. As much as we try to make the message as inoffensive as possible, as much as we try to share with love this offensive message, standing for truth will not make you popular. Simple as that. If you decide that you're gonna stand on biblical truth, 
it will not be what makes you popular. Simple as that. Paul recognizes this. If you take a look again at verse number 10. For now do I persuade men, and am I trying to convince you, or am I looking to convince God? Do I seek to please men? Am I looking for uh, their uh, approval? He says, if, for if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. In other words, if I want to be popular with men, I pick the wrong profession serving Jesus because the two of these don't go together. I'm thankful if I can, can have some level of favor or some level of significance or some level of opportunity to be able to share with people, but I don't think for a split second because I'm a Christian, I'm gonna automatically be popular. And many people... And this goes especially for teenagers and single adults, I found especially. Many people are willing to not put themselves out as a Christian because they want to be popular. I'm willing to be a Christian, but not like all the way Christian, like medium Christian, because I still wanna be popular amongst my friends. I'm worried about what other people think if I go too far. I mean, like a Bible on my desk at work, that's, that's like way out there. Like a stack of... Easter invitations on my desk at work or on the bulletin board or something like that, that's, that's like way, way out there. I can't do that. Please know this. The Bible says that the fear of man is a snare. It's a trap. And you're gonna get caught in it 100% of the time. I cannot live my life based on what I think will be the approval of other people because Paul says if I, if I wanted to be popular, I wouldn't have chosen to serve Christ but know this, a lack of popularity doesn't excuse us from Christ-like love and concern for other people. Have you ever been around other Christians who are very brash and abrasive, who are very down your throat with what they believed about everything under the sun? Regardless of what it was, whether it's something that came across on the news or something on the radio, they always had an opinion and they always tried to uh, give it a slant to, to some religious uh, way, but it was constantly in your face, abrasive, harsh Christianity. I've been around people like that before and it's just like, ooh, yeah, don't do that. Like, I wanna almost sit there and go like, no, stop it. I feel bad because you're making other Christians look bad. Like, stop it, you know? It's just like, somebody's like, oh, did you guys catch the football game yesterday? Our family doesn't watch football games because all the beer commercials in the middle, all the cheerleaders with their short skirts, we don't watch football. We just sit home and sing songs about Jesus instead. Just, I, I appreciate your stand, I really do, but keep that to yourself. You're not winning people to Christ by that kind of judgmental mentality towards other people. Hey, if I'm talking to unbelievers, you know, hey, did you catch the football game yesterday? No, our family worships Jesus on Sunday. We're not gonna get involved in any of the trivial mess of a bunch of men on a football field chasing around a piece of leather. We worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Just like, that, that's not what you're going for. And then here's the great part about it. People with this pious, ugly, abrasive mentality say, well, people in my office don't like me just because I'm a Christian. People don't like me because I stand for Christ. No, people don't like you because you're a jerk. Bottom line, don't be a Jesus jerk. That's a thing if you didn't know. You take a look at, at Christ. Christ had the opportunity to put people in their place 
had opportunity to be more pious than anyone else, had opportunity to brag about all the things that he had done or the things that he had seen or the things he had been a part of. But you know what he didn't? You know why? Because he was worried about his father's glory. Oftentimes Christ would perform miracles and he'd say, hey, please don't tell anybody about what just happened here. Why? Because he didn't want to get the glory, he wanted God to get the glory. And so the idea here is not that we get to, well, nobody's gonna like me anyway, so I can just be a jerk to folks because I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a martyr for the faith. No, you're not. You're a picture of what it means to be an unchristlike Christian. And we can't afford that. We as Bible-believing Christians must take great care that the gospel is so important to us that I want to love people to Christ. I wanna have concern for other people to point them towards Christ. And so again, when we share truth, we have to have a testimony that backs it up. And that comes from a true Christ-like love and concern for other people. Final thought tonight, while Jesus is our ultimate aim, we must protect our testimony in an effort to point others to Christ. Again, I know at the end of the day, I'm not gonna be the most popular person in the world because I'm a Christian, and I'm okay with that. But at the same time, I want to protect my testimony in the name of Jesus Christ so that his name is not harmed. This morning, I preached a, a hard message for me to preach. It might have been easy to listen to, but it was hard for me to preach because I had to say some things that were really unpopular in our society today. I just said what the Bible says about alcohol, and that's just not popular, even amongst Christians. I have friends that would, I would consider friends, guys that I went to college with that see nothing wrong with recreationally drinking alcohol. I disagree with them. I think the Bible disagrees with them. I had to say that today, and it was hard. I know pastors who see no problem with alcohol use. What I said today was hard, but I said it, I wanted to say it out of a heart of love. I wanted to be very clear that I wasn't passing judgment on anybody, and if somebody disagrees with, with what I believe the Bible says about uh, alcohol, that we can still be friends, and I'm not upset with anybody. There's no judgment here. But I want to take great care and concern with that because I don't want my testimony, the testimony of Christ, or even the testimony of this church to be harmed. Did you know that your testimony speaks to the testimony of our church? Think about that. If you've ever passed out a gospel tract or passed an invitation to someone and invited them to church, people are automatically watching you now to see if your life backs up what you say you believe. Oh, yeah, I knew so-and-so. They, they called themselves a Christian, but they were always gossiping and running down every people, everybody here at work, backstabbing, talking about people behind their backs, cussing all the time. And they went to some church down, downtown, hooey something. I don't even know what it was. That church over by Alamoana. Probably a church full of hypocrites. Hey, look, you just hurt the name of Christ and the name of Jesus' church. And that can't happen. Again, you go to church in your, or you go to, to, to your workplace or to your school and you're the Jesus jerk. Again, you put that back on the name of Christ and the name of Christ's church. It's heavy stuff. I want to please Christ. I don't, I'm not trying to be popular with anybody, but I also want to be cognizant of my own testimony because I want my life to point people to Christ. We're going to take a look at two verses and then we'll be done. Take a look, if you would, at uh, First uh, Timothy chapter number three. First Timothy chapter three um, is really important because it talks about the qualifications of a pastor. And it talks about the qualifications of deacons. Most people will look at this passage of scripture and say, well, you know, I'm not gonna be a pastor, I'm not gonna be a deacon, so these things really don't apply to me. Uh, I believe they apply to anyone who seeks to be used of God. If you wanna be a man of God, I would, I would follow these uh, guidelines here. If you wanna be a woman of God, these are some good guidelines 
to, to strive for. First Timothy chapter three, verse number uh, one, it's a true saying that if a man desire the office of a bishop, that word bishop could be used synonymously with the word pastor. So we're talking about pastors here. He desireth a good work. Bishop must then be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule the house, his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest he being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. Verse number seven is really important because it says, moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and a snare of the devil. Those that are without it, those are outside of the church. These are non-believers. What do non-believers think of our testimony? I wanna live my life in such a way that even an unsaved man might look at my life and say, I don't agree with everything he believes, but he's a solid guy. I, I don't subscribe to his religious beliefs, but he's a man of integrity. I don't, I don't buy into the whole Jesus thing that he does, but he's a man of character. That's what it's saying here, that we have to have a solid testimony, even with people that are outside the church. And you, again, you can say, well, that only applies to pastors. Applies to anybody who really wants to be a solid man or woman of God. So again, our testimony matters. First Peter chapter three, turn there if you would. Verse number 15, first Peter chapter three, verse number 15. <coughs> First Peter 3, 15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. The word sanctify means to set apart, make it special, the Lord in your heart. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. Hey, Bob, what's the reason for your hope? Why are you also always so chipper? The Bible says be ready with an answer. Why do you believe what you believe? You're a Christian, what does that even mean to you? Always be ready with an answer is what Peter says. But here's what he goes on to say. Verse 16, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation. The word conversational means the way that you live your life in Christ. Here's what it says. If unsaved people act like unsaved people and they try to run you down or slander your name, May it be that they would be embarrassed for laying something against your name. If they would look at that and they would say, oh, man, that guy, he's a jerk. I'd be like, are you seriously talking about Bob? He's one of the hardest working dudes I know. Man, what? A, you need to check yourself. That even unsaved people would be embarrassed to lay a charge to your name because of the way that you live your life. That any, any accusation made against you would not stick because of the way that you live your life. And somebody would be embarrassed to malign your good name because of the way that you live your life. Notice the last two words there, in Christ. It's all about Jesus. At the end of the day, people are gonna run me down. Honestly, I don't care. I'm greatly concerned about the name of Christ though. I don't wanna do anything that would harm the name of Christ. I don't wanna do anything that would push people away from seeking Christ. I wanna be always thinking that I'm not just hurting my good name, I'm hurting the name of Christ, I'm hurting the name of Christ's church, I'm hurting the, the cause of Christ. 
And so Paul says in this verse here, again, a transition verse, next week we're gonna take a look at uh, the power of the gospel is is evident in in Paul's life and where he got the gospel from. Fascinating story if you wanna read ahead. But this is a transitional verse where he says, hey guys, honestly, if you don't like what I'm getting ready to write you, I really don't care. Honestly, if I wanted to be popular, I wouldn't have chosen to be a servant of Christ. I'm really concerned about God's glory. That is not Paul saying he doesn't care what other people think about him. Again, if you remember our study of 2 Corinthians, he spent a a couple of chapters basically saying, hey, you guys have put some hard things against my name, made some accusations that aren't true, and here's how I'm gonna back those up. Because Paul was concerned about the name of Christ being harmed. So Paul's not saying flippantly, I don't give a rip what you guys think about me, I'm just gonna tell you what's what. And we can't have a cavalier attitude like that either. We have to be greatly concerned about our own personal testimony because it points people to Christ. Now, at the end of the day, if I'm not popular and people don't like me because I'm a legit Christ-like follower, I'm okay with that. But I don't want people to dislike me because I'm ugly or I'm judgmental or I'm unkind or I think that I'm better than them or I'm holier than thou. I I don't wanna do those things because those things hurt the cause of Christ. So as we look at this, I think really the the message I wanna boil down tonight is this. We've got an offensive message, but let's not add offense to it. We've got a hard message to share, but a life of love will back that up a lot. I found that it's easier to, to tell hard truths to people that know that I love them. If you know that I love you and I care about you and I've been praying for you, you have no problem with me saying to you, hey, but I'm worried about your church attendance over the last month. You've been here like one out of 12 services. Is everything okay? If you know that I love you and I care about you, hopefully you'd receive that well. People that I've never talked to before, it's like, hey, what's up? Why are you not coming to church? They're like, buzz off. Who do you think you are? Why? Because I didn't take time to love them and develop a relationship with them and care for them and show genuine Christ-like compassion and concern. That's what it comes down to, having a life that points people to Christ and being able to take an offensive message and make it a little less offensive out of love and compassion because that's what Jesus Christ has done.